Thanks for listening. The following is an audio presentation from High Country Christian Church. For more information, please visit www.highcountrychristian.com. So I'm gonna, I want to teach to you today, the title of my message is Faith and Expectation. Faith and Expectation. Uh, you can turn to Hebrews chapter 11, uh, and we're going to look at verse 1 of Hebrews 11, probably a familiar scripture to many of you. As we're turning there, let's make our confession of faith together that we like to make on Sunday mornings. You can read it off the screen. Let's declare this out loud today. Thank you, Father, that today the eyes of my heart see you, the ears of my heart hear you, my heart and mind perceive and understand your word and your will. Today I am growing in the things of God. Amen. We believe that we're growing in the things of God this morning. Let's bow our heads and pray real quickly. Father, we bless you today. We honor you. We give you praise and thanksgiving. We ask today, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts out of your word, that you would declare the truth of who you are into our hearts this morning. Father, we are open and ready to receive. And Lord, we thank you for the Holy Spirit that takes the word and makes it come alive on the inside this morning, God. We purpose in our hearts to, to hear and receive everything that you have for us, and we say thank you for these things. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, amen and amen. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. I guess I should probably turn there since I told you guys to turn there. Hebrews 11. I'll say real quickly, my wife and I uh, got to go to Boston this, this past week. Uh, up on Monday, we got to go up to New England for a conference, a one-day leadership roundtable event. And um, it, was, it was one of the greatest conferences I've been to in at least 10 years. It was absolutely, it blew my mind. It went, I knew it was going to be good, but it ended up being so much better than I thought. And uh, I came back very filled up and very stirred up. Brienne did as well. And um, so we, we were just excited to have the opportunity to go. Uh, it was good to go. It was good to come home too. But uh, it was really, really a blessing to be able to go. And, uh, and plus, New England is my second favorite place on the planet next to Boone, North Carolina. So it was really, really good to be up there. And uh, so praise the Lord. Thank you for those who prayed for us while we were away. And uh, if, if, if you did anything to make our trip easier, thank you very much for doing that. Um, one of the things that came out in the conference that we attended was the idea that as leaders and, and pastors and preachers, it's important to, to show people the scriptures. Uh, in the last session that we were a part of, the gentleman who was speaking talked about communicating and talked about preaching effectively. And one of the things that he talked about was that people need to be able to see in the Scripture. There are those who, if you don't show them the Scripture, they, they really won't have anything to connect to. And so oftentimes in, in modern Christianity and in modern churches, we're, we're making reference to the Scripture, but not actually turning to the Scripture, not actually showing these things in the Word. And so I got super stirred up when I heard that. I was like, yes, Lord, this is good. We need to be showing people the Bible. 
Amen. Because how many of you know, the, the Bible says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and everything that was made was made through Him, and without Him nothing was made. How many of you know the importance of the Word? It's, it's of paramount importance in our lives. And so uh, it was very confirming to me. I felt really good when he said that because I was like, yeah, I love to take people to the Scriptures, so praise God. I felt very validated that morning. But anyways, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. I want to talk to you about faith and expectation. Faith and expectation. Let's read verse 1 together. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. I want to read this to you as well from the New Living Translation. I love the NLT. It reads, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Now, for those who have been around our church for any length of time, you've, you've heard me talk about the subject of hope before. And that's one of the things I want to really focus and zero in on today. I want to talk to you about the relationship between faith and hope. Because both of those things are extremely important. As a matter of fact, Paul says in the very last chapter, very last verse of 1 Corinthians 13, which is the love chapter, he mentions three things. He said, now abide these three, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. You know that. But the other two, faith and hope, are also of paramount importance. Yes, the greatest of these is love, but faith and hope are very important as well. And today I want to talk about the relationship between faith and hope. Faith, of course, is what we believe. My faith is what I believe about God. And we'll talk about that here in, in more uh, in depth in just a few moments. But hope is an often misunderstood subject. If you've heard me teach before, you've, you probably know what I'm about to say, but I'll say it again anyways. Hope is an often misunderstood subject. Hope is not wishful thinking as we tend to think of it in our culture and in our society. We use phrases and we use the word hope differently than the way the Bible uses the word hope. We say things like, I hope it doesn't rain tomorrow, right? I hope App State wins the conference, you know? I hope this happens. I hope that happens. And, and that's okay to say, but really that doesn't line up with what the Bible has termed hope to mean. When the Bible talks about hope, it's not talking about wishing. It's talking about expecting, when the Bible uses the word hope, it's talking about an earnest, guaranteed expectation of something. So a more proper way to use the word hope biblically would not be to say that I hope it doesn't rain tomorrow. It would be to say, I hope the sun comes up tomorrow. In other words, I expect the sun to come up tomorrow. Whenever you see the word hope in Scripture, it's talking of an, of an expectation Matter of fact, the definition for the Greek word is an earnest expectation, an exacting expectation. I expect that the sun's going to come up tomorrow around 6.15, so I hope that it'll come up tomorrow. You follow what I'm saying? Makes a lot of sense. 
So now you, you take that understanding and you bring it to a scripture like this, Hebrews chapter 11, and it says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the substance of things expected. Now, again, let me read it for you in the New Living Translation. This will really kind of make it jump out to you. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It's the evidence of things we cannot see. Faith shows the reality of things we hope for or things we expect. Why am I talking to you about this today? It's because many of us bring faith to the table when we're facing a situation, but we don't bring hope to the table with our faith. Oftentimes we're looking at the mountain, we're doing what Jesus told us to in Mark 11, we speak to the mountain, but we don't actually expect it to go anywhere. Right? Anybody besides me been in that situation before? Yeah, of course. We, we bring faith to the equation, but we don't bring hope with it. You see, hope and faith are absolutely essential to each other. They're like peanut butter and jelly. You have to have, did somebody just say, ugh? Do you not like peanut butter and jelly? Oh my goodness, we cannot be friends anymore. That is amazing. It's okay, yeah, yeah, we need to have a healing line right now. So, no, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Ham and cheese, if you're more, if, you, if, you, if that's a little bit better. Ham, ham and cheese. No, it's, it, these are two necessary ideas, two necessary concepts, two necessary things that we need in our life when it comes to believing God for whatever it is that we need. I mean, think about it. You, you think about it on, in, on a passive, receptive side of things. Let's, let's say that I'm believing God to receive something. Lord, I need a miracle in my marriage. I need a miracle in my body. I need a miracle in my finances. I need a miracle on the job. I need a miracle wherever. So I'm expecting, I'm, I'm wanting to receive something from the Lord. Well, if all I ever do is just believe, 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 but I never expect to receive anything, it'll, it'll just stay out there. I won't actually experience what God has in store for me without expectation. Now you bring that on, that was a kind of a passive example. Let's talk about uh, a, a, an offensive example. You know what I mean? Like offense, like moving forward, non-passive. Let's imagine that I'm laying hands on somebody. So now I'm not the one believing for the miracle for me, I'm believing for it for somebody else. Well, without expectation, how many of you know that that's not going to happen? I remember listening to a... Um, an evangelist who I really valued named Steve Jones. He was a really awesome man of God. And he spoke one time at our church and he said, every single person that I lay hands on, I absolutely expect them to be healed. Every single time. He said, I don't pray for anybody unless I'm expecting them to receive immediately. Well, now it's no wonder why the man had so much fruit of healing in his ministry. Because expectation goes along with our faith. That's what God designed to happen. Our expectation makes our faith come alive. It's the expression of what we truly believe. Think about this for a moment. Faith, or excuse me, hope, expectation, is the expression of what you truly believe. If you're taking notes... 
that would be a good one to write down. You can always tell what it is that you truly believe by how you expect things to happen. If I truly believe that God is for me and not against me, then when I pray, I expect victory to happen in my life. If I truly believe that God wants to take care of my needs according to his riches and glory, then I'm going to expect that to happen, and I'm going to live according to that expectation and to that belief. I've said it this way before. First comes faith, then comes expectation or hope, then comes experience. First comes faith, then comes expectation, then comes the experience. Let's, let's drill down into that just a little bit. First of all, let me ask you a question. What is faith? What is faith? Faith is what we believe about God. Our faith is what we believe about God. What is the basis for our faith? Well, number one, his word, right? The first basis for our belief in him is what he has said about himself, Right? That's why the word is so important, because we need to know what God has said about himself and what he has said about who we are, and the more we discover about him, the more we see what our life needs to look like, right? The Bible says in in 2 Corinthians that all of the promises of God are in Christ, yes and amen. Well, how, how could we ever say yes and amen to a promise we don't even know about? Right? We gotta get it in the word first. We gotta go to the word. So the first basis for our faith is his is the word, the scriptures. The second basis for our faith is uh, Paul says that we can see God in nature, that we see him in the world around us. The writer of Psalms said, The fool has said in his heart that there is no God. And when he does so, he rejects all of the evidence that is around him or her at any given moment. So the first place that we find faith in God is in his word. The second place we find faith in God is by just examining all the stuff that he created. I remember what uh, Brother Jim Hockaday said one time. He said, if you can find God in one thing, in one place, you can start to find him in everything. If you can learn to recognize the goodness of God by looking at a tree and going, Lord, that tree is so amazing that you created, then you'll start to see his handiwork in all of his creation. Paul talks about that very clearly. And then the third place or the third basis for our belief in him is in our experiences themselves. Once I've found out what his word says about him, and I've begun to believe that, then I begin to see evidence of all of that in the world around me, that's when I start to have experiences where God becomes real to me. And that experiential, intimate knowledge of God begins to add to my faith as well. Isn't that interesting? How many of you could say today that you're more convinced that God is who he said he is than you were 10 years ago? Why? Because you've had some encounters with him. You've experienced him along the way. You've recognized his handiwork in all these different places. You've found what the word says about him, and it's now become real to your heart, and now you believe in him, and you have faith. Most people don't have a faith problem. Most people don't have the problem of not having enough faith. What, where the problem is for most of us is that we don't ever let our expectation get informed by the faith that we have. 
There's too much unbelief around us being, you know, pushed into our mind and our heart and our thinking. And so we start to focus on the unbelief and we forget about the faith that's actually there. And then our expectation gets lowered, 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 lowered. The Bible says, think about this. Jesus said that if you had faith the size of a what? Mustard seed. Good, good job, you Sunday school students. You have done well. If you had faith the size of a grain of mustard seed, you could speak to a mountain and tell it to get out of the way. So it's not the size of the faith. It's not the size of the faith. It's whether or not we've let unbelief build up in our lives so that it challenges our expectation. In other words, it's not about whether or not God can, it's about whether or not you believe that he will. I'm stirring myself up this morning, praise God. So first comes faith, then comes expectation, then comes experience. Now, faith, we defined that, that's what we believe about God. Our expectation now, let's define that. This is what I expect to happen based on what I believe. My belief about something is what frames my expectation. We know this to be true if you were to use marriage as an example. Every one of us that has been married has at some point had a bogus expectation about our spouse. We're expecting them to do something or be something or act a certain way that they were not going to be or act, right? Like, like duh, right? If you've been married longer than like seven minutes, you know that this is true, right? So our expectation is informed by what we believe. So if, I'm, if my expectation is not lining up with what God's word says, then it tells me, number one, that I probably don't believe the right way. And I need to go back and figure out what I believe from the word. Let the word inform my belief and then let my belief inform my expectation so that my expectation can change my situation. Let me say that one more time. Let me go back to the Word and seek God so that the Word forms my belief and it forms my faith. And then it's my faith that informs my expectation. And then it's my expectation that actually changes the situation. So the Word, the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word. So I get in the Word, the Word builds faith and adds faith to my life. That faith produces in me hope, which is expectation. And then that expectation, when I stick with it, causes the circumstance around me to start to change. Amen? That's how you let the Word of God prevail in your life. That's how you walk in victory. People want to know, how do I walk in victory? Well, they say, I believe that God said in his word that I can. Yeah, the belief's not the problem. We know you believe the right thing. It's time to start expecting it to happen in your life so that it can actually happen. Amen. Amen. That's where we want to live. What I expect always points back to what I believe. I wrote this in my notes. Our expectation gives God permission to move in our life. (laughs) Our expectation gives God permission to move in our life. Amen. 
I'm going to give you an example of this here scripturally in just a moment. Our miraculous experiences that we're desiring from God follow our faith-filled expectation. Do you believe that God will do something in your life? Do you believe that he will live up to his word? I got news for you. Jesus has got the best track record on planet earth. I was sitting talking with my buddy Vern this, uh, this past Friday. We have breakfast every other week, usually on Fridays, and we're, we're together, and we're talking, and we were just reminiscing on the goodness of God. We are like, man, isn't it so good how, God, how God's been in your life? Yeah, it's been good in my life, brother. And we're just stirring each other up. And I, I just looked at him. I said, man, isn't it amazing? God's got the best track record of all time. He's, I mean, think about it. He's never lied, never been deceitful. Never broken a promise, never been late, never failed. Not like nine and a half times out of ten. I mean, how many of you know that's still a pretty good track record, right? I mean, if you, listen, if you bat under 500 in, in Major League Baseball, you're in the Hall of Fame, right? That means you can strike out half the time, and you still make it into the Hall of Fame, right? Jesus never, Jesus has never swung at a pitch, and missed. He's never hit a foul ball. Every time he got a pitch, it was a grand slam. Every, even when there was no people on base, somehow it was still a grand slam. Every time, he's got the perfect track record. He's never failed. He's never let you down. He's never been late, and he never will, because he doesn't change. There's one point about uh, if you were to study Bible, you would come across a word called immutable, immutability. Anybody know what that word means? It means God cannot change. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will not change. Amen. So if he, so if he didn't fail a thousand years ago, he's not going to fail tomorrow. It's not in his nature. He's immutable. He's unchangeable. So you can put your faith in him. And better yet, you can put your expectation in him. Lord, if your word said this, I'm going to expect it to come to pass. Because you do not lie. Amen. I, I, I told you we went to, um, to uh, New England this past week. And we went to a new place. Went to a place that I'd never been before called Newport, Rhode Island. Anybody ever been to Newport, Rhode Island? Okay. Somebody, who, who I said, you, you, two, three, three people. Awesome. The rest of you buy a plane ticket this week and go to Newport, Rhode Island because it is one of the coolest places on planet Earth. And uh, I, have, I have a lot of friends that live in the New England area, and everybody that I talked to when, when they found out we had a free day on Monday. Uh, they said, man, go to Newport. It was a toss-up between Newport and Cape Cod. And uh, they were like, oh, go to Newport. It's the most New England experience you can have. So guess what I had on my way to Newport on Monday? Expectation. Why am I telling you the stories? Because I had heard some things about Newport. 
I'd heard some things about all the sailboats that I would see bobbing in the harbor. I'd heard some things about the Gilded Age mansions that we would drive past. I heard some things about the food and about the seacoast. I heard a bunch of stuff, and everything that I heard started to inform my belief, and that started to excite my expectations so that when we rolled into Newport, I was ready to see Newport. And guess what? Newport did not let me down. It was more than what I expected. Here's the deal. If a city can be more than what I expected, how much more can God be than even you expected? How much bigger is he? How much greater is he? How much more awesome is his word that we have yet discovered? How big is this God that we serve that we can expect from him? And guess what he's able to do? Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20, exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or even imagine, but so many times we don't even get close to that because we turned our expector off. We let unbelief come in and start to dial down our expectation. We believed God and we for some reason, didn't receive the thing we were believing for. We, we got into a tough situation. We got into a, a struggle of some kind. And we let unbelief start to build up questions in our mind about who God really is. It's the old Adam and Eve, serpent and Eve moment. Has God really said, right? What am I here to do? I'm here to get your hopes up. I'm here to raise the expectation of our hearts so that when it's time to receive, we're so frothing at the mouth, ready to receive what God has because we're just so expectant. Amen. Let's look at an example of this in Scripture. Can we do that? Y'all got a few minutes left in you? Mark chapter 5. Oh, it feels good. feels good to be a preacher this morning. Mark chapter 5. One of my favorite miracles in the New Testament. Mark chapter 5, verse 25. I'm so excited to share with you this statement that the Lord gave me about this passage that I'd never heard before, but it's really cool. Mark chapter 5, verse 25, this is the woman with the issue of blood. Y'all remember her? It says, now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. It's tough enough when that comes once a month, much less for 12 straight years. I'm being serious. I'm not, I mean, I guess that's sort of funny, but I wasn't trying to make it funny. It's, that's a serious issue when it comes once a month. It's really rough if that was to be your life for 12 years. A certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, this is a very important statement. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I only may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. 
in Jesus immediately. I love how many times the word immediately appears in this passage. Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that power had gone out from him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. What an amazing story. What an amazing, awesome passage. There's so many things that we could say, but I want to be selective and careful because I've only got a, I only want to take a few more minutes. Jesus is walking, and if you read the context of the whole chapter, you would find out that he was walking to another miracle. Okay? He was with the, the Jairus, the leader of the synagogue, and he was on his way to that guy's house to raise up his dead servant or the servant who was dying, okay? And so this is what I think is so cool about Jesus, that he's on the way to one miracle, gets stopped for another miracle, and decides to just take a second to deal with this miracle. You know what's so cool that God always has time for you? It's so awesome that no matter how insignificant you feel in life, Jesus will always take time to meet you right where you're at. Amen. How many of you are so thankful God's not too busy for you? Amen. Sometimes we think that he is, man. We think that, oh, man, kids are starving in China or Africa or India or something. He doesn't have time for my prayer request. Yeah, he does. He's the God who sees everything all the time. The Holy Ghost knows everything about everything about everybody all the time. Amen? And he's got more than enough. There's an infinite supply of power for every single need on planet Earth. The reason that it doesn't get fixed overnight is because people don't know to believe and to expect God to move in their life. But that's why you're here this morning. So kudos. Good job. So here's Jesus walking from the place that he was at, walking to another miracle. And he has time to stop and deal with this woman. Now, there's some things that I want to make a point about. First of all, she presses through the crowd. She gets out of her place of comfort because she was in a place of desperation. Yeah. How many of you know when you get desperate enough for things, it'll cause you to move? Yeah. Right? Sometimes, sometimes we're just not desperate enough for God in our life. We're just not hungry enough for him. We haven't learned to say, God, I absolutely need you. Still trying to do it on our own. Still trying to figure everything out on our own. This lady was desperate. And what happened was, you, we read about it in the text. Let's see, what was it here? Verse 28. When she, no, hold on, let me go back. Verse 27, sorry. When she heard about Jesus, she decided to go after him. That was where her faith got sparked. Right? Think about it. Think about everything we, we have been talking about this morning. First comes faith, then comes expectation, then comes experience. She heard about Jesus, and when she heard about Jesus, faith rose up in her heart. 
And it was at that point that she began to move, to go towards him. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and she touched his garment. For she said, if I only may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Now what's amazing to me is that Jesus, at the end of all this, turns to her and says, daughter, your faith has made you well. What healed her? Thank you. This was not a trick question. What healed her? Her faith. Her faith made her well. As I was putting together the notes for today, I read over that, and this is what the Holy Spirit said to me. Her faith made her well, but her hope made her move. Her faith made her well, but her hope made her move. James talks in the book of James about the disparity between faith and works. He says, show me your faith by your works. What is the bridge between faith and action? It's expectation. It's hope. Her faith is the thing that made her well, but it was her hope and her expectation that got her to go after Jesus. It was her expectation that if I might touch the hem of his garment, if that's all that it's going to take, I know that I'll be healed. Her faith was, was secure. Her faith was in the right place. It was her hope that got her up out of bed and said, I'm going to go find this guy, and I'm going to push through every crowd I need to push to till I get to him. That's where we fall off the bus. That's where most people fall behind. It's that their expectation is not in place that God actually will do the thing that he said that he would do. You want to know what else is so cool about this story? Not only did she get her healing, she got a new identity. She learned something about herself that day. One of the things about this story that's so amazing to me is that Jairus, the guy with the sick servant, was a ruler of the synagogue. And this woman, by Jewish tradition and standard, was considered unclean. And if you were in Jewish society, if you were considered unclean, you were untouchable. And if you were to be discovered in a crowd of people, you could be stoned legally. You could be on the spot killed. This lady had so many things stacked up against her. She had a disease that she couldn't get rid of. She spent every penny that she had to try to get rid of it and couldn't do it. She was unclean, meaning that she was untouchable. And she was a woman in a society that at that time didn't think very highly of women. So she had a lot of stuff stacked up against her. She took a huge risk to get to Jesus. She had to risk the crowd. She had to risk the potential of getting stoned. And guess what? Guess who Jesus was walking next to? Jairus, the synagogue ruler. So if there was anybody that had the right to you know, throw the gavel down on this lady, he was walking next to Jesus. That's why when, when, he, when you get down to verse 33, it says, but the woman fearing and trembling fell down before Jesus and confessed everything to him. Why? I've often wondered, why would she be so afraid? Because she thought in that moment she'd been discovered and she was gonna die. She thought, well, I got my healing but they're going to kill me now. 
She took this amazing risk. Her hope, her expectation was so substantial that she was willing to literally risk her life to get to Jesus. And when, when, when push came to shove and she actually got there and got her healing, got her miracle, she was so afraid that somebody was going to discover that she was unclean that she literally fell down weeping and trembling before the Lord. Lord, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. This was my only hope. This was the only thing that I could do was to try to get to you. I'm sorry, I broke the rules. I believe she was fully expecting to get whooped. I I believe she was fully expecting that she was going to die in that instant. And Jesus flips the script on her and on the crowd and on the religious system in Judea at the time. And he looks at her. Not only did he not call her unclean, he said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. He assigned a whole new identity to her that day. Yeah, that's exactly right. Not only did she not get what she thought she deserved, she got something she never expected. Friends, that is exceedingly abundantly above. That was so much better than what she thought she was going to get. When it came time for judgment, mercy triumphed, and he said, your faith made you well. Get up, daughter. Come here. I'm not mad at you. I'm on my way to Calvary for you. I'm going to die for you. (laughs) You see, faith in God causes every mountain to move, causes every impossibility to become possible. And it's our hope, our expectation that not only can he, but he will. It's that paired with our faith that brings us into the experience that he has promised that we would have. Amen. If, if I've ever been in a place in my life where I've seemed to fall short of what the Bible says belongs to me, if I'm believing for healing and it doesn't seem to work, I'm going, Lord, help me to understand this. Where am I missing it? I know I'm messing something up here. And I always come back to that Faith, hope, and love. See, without the love of God, well, this is a whole other message right here, but without the love of God, your faith can't work. Galatians says that faith works by love. So if I don't have faith operating, then I'll never have hope. And if I don't have love operating, love is what powers faith and hope to begin with. Oh, Lord. Just take off and preach on that for another hour and a half. No, I won't do that to you, I promise. I promise. We've got to get to the place where our expectation comes up a little higher. You ought to expect God to be who he said he is. I was talking with Aaron uh, Jones, who's coming. I'm so thankful. They're coming all the way from California, man. They're bringing their whole family. I'm just so honored that they're going to come and minister. Uh, And he's one of my buddies, man. You guys are really going to like them a lot. But we were talking, and he said, yeah, he said, he said, I love to just tell people when I'm ministering to them. He said, I love to just tell them that God is better than they thought he was. And I love to just tell them that, you know, this gospel that you've heard, it literally is everything you've heard. It's actually better than you thought that it was. He's the God you always wanted him to be. 
He's the God you always wanted him to be. He's just that good. He's so much gooder than you ever thought that he could be. Amen. He's just so loving and so compassionate and so kind and so full of mercy and so full of grace and so full of power and so full of everything you'll ever need from now until eternity. And he's available. Don't let the enemy con you out of expecting the most from God. Don't let him con you out of it. Amen? Let's stand up to our feet. We hope that this message inspired you and filled your heart with faith. If you would like to visit our church, check out www.highcountrychristian.com for service times and location information. Thanks again for listening to this audio presentation from High Country Christian Church, where Jesus loves you, we love you, and your life counts.